Hey and welcome to Oh Fuck the Podcast. I'm Charlie Sumner Bedford and today I'm talking to Polly Clark. She's a really good friend of mine who I met at uni around eight years ago and we spent a lot of time just getting pissed and making fun sketches together. And never did I imagine that nearly a decade later we'd be living through government lockdowns and have swapped Lambrini for breast bumps. She's also running autism awareness page Bertie's Bubble to give people an insight into what it's like having a toddler with autism, a newborn baby and all during a deadly pandemic. Hope you enjoy. So if um, if the boys come back and you've got to go, it's absolutely fine. We'll just pick up okay, another. Worries. We'll pick up another time. Um, I know how busy you must be. Thanks so much for talking to me today, dear friend. <laughs> how have you been finding things? How's lockdown been for you? I mean, I think it's been just a crazy world for, for everyone. But um, obviously with my situation like and your situation, being pregnant in a pandemic is just life-changing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but also being pregnant with a two-year-old in a pandemic <laughs> uh, with ASD is even harder. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's ups, there's downs. Um, it was also a bit of a blessing in disguise because uh, my partner was off, so Keds was off and we could... Um, do the things that we'd always needed to do with Bertie and it was just a time to kind of settle down and get stuck in, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's a lot of people have had time with loved ones that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, yeah. Which is kind of good. Um, mm. So you actually had your second little boy during lockdown. Yeah. How was that? How was that? The midwife appointments and... Um, the so hospital visits was literally over the phone um, I didn't really oh yeah so no I had to go to my midwife appointment sorry but that it was just strange you'd have to sit in the car park you'd have to wait to be called but then once I was in it it seemed pretty normal once I was in there you know everyone was masked up and the whole system had changed but like the midwife appointments themselves mm. you know they just had to be gloves aprons masks mm. but um everything seemed pretty similar to when I was having Bertie. Mm. So in that respect, it was okay. Yeah. Um, Did the labour as well, I, I I was really worried about that. I just thought, I just had this vision of me being on my own in this room with a midwife that I'd never met and not having my partner there and just being in all this pain and knowing, I think knowing what was to come was the scary part, but it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. Um, I think once you're in there... I think the whole thought of, you know, going into labour during a pandemic is just a lot scarier than it actually was. And I think once you're in that zone, mm-hmm. you're just kind of doing it. You know, I probably wouldn't have cared if they were... You know, yeah, whether there was a pandemic a, or in not. In a suit, in a, in a... What do you call them? A hazmat suit. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have even noticed, trust me. Did you have to go to any scans alone this time? Or had you had those before it all started? Uh, no, so I had to, so this was quite a plain same pregnancy. So mm. um, I didn't really have to have any scans after. I luckily had all my scans. Um, so I'd had my 20 week and that was the last that I'd had. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't have to go to any of those alone. But I do feel for the, you know, especially people that are having their first baby. This was my second baby, so I knew a little bit more. Mm. Um but I do feel for the poor woman that, you know, have to go in for it to a scan alone. It just, mm. it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be that way, but I guess, you know, yeah. safety first and, and you've got to protect everyone. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I went to my first scan alone and I was like, everyone looked so chill about the situation in the waiting room. And I was like, how are you not really upset that you're on your own? I know, it was probably a second baby. Yeah, and then (laughs) there there were some people that were like um, going into a different bit and they were allowed to have like the partners with them. And oh my God, I was furious. And then they were like, know. you know, oh, it's because of certain reasons, like they need a translator or whatever. But I just felt like the world's like biggest victim. I felt so sorry for myself. <laughs> yeah, I felt sorry. I just think, yeah, you shouldn't have to, especially with your first, it's such a special moment that you want to share with your partner. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't, yeah. you want to have that as a memory. I do think it's so emotional. Yeah. So it must have been 10 times more emotional for you being on your own. Yeah. I think it's a bit of guilt as well. Like I felt so guilty for Leon that he was missing out on that. And yeah. and as well like I kind of I was so convinced that I'd made it up. I was like I'm going to get in there and there's not going to be a baby <laughs> there and I'm going to have to come out and call him and be like, "Oh, you know, it was all in my head." <laughs> I was just going to think you're a psychopath for us. That'll yeah. probably be the end. Yeah. The end of everything. Well, it's surprising how far in your pregnancy you go before they actually check that you're pregnant. Like, I, do you know they what? never did I a test that, or anything. <laughs> I thought that when I went for my um, 12 week scan. Yeah. I was like, what if there's just not a baby there? What if, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'd made it all up. With 30, I felt like that. Yeah, yeah they don't check. Because my mum always said back in the day, you know, you'd have to do a pregnancy test and, you know, with the midwife yeah. and they'd confirm the pregnancy. Yeah, they just believe you. <laughs> well, it's real. It's happening. Yeah, it is. So you better get used to that. <laughs> so what was it like when you came out of hospital and um, you had a new baby and I imagine that you wanted to show him off a little yeah, bit and so go see whole... family? Well, the whole process, so I went into labour, I was, I was really lucky, I, I went in, I was established, I was five centimetres dilated, so I didn't ever have to be in my own when I was in labour, so Geds was there for the whole time, mm-hmm. um, then I was in, I was, I was in labour for 16 hours, um, and then they pretty much said, look, you have to go up in the ward, and I said, oh please, I, can I not just do all the wheeze I need to do down here, you can check everything, and they said, okay, because um, I ended up having an epidural, and usually you have to stay in, just, just so they can check whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they they did all the the things I had to do and then they just said I, I could go home that evening. So when I came out, um, so yeah, I didn't have to go up on a ward, so I didn't ever have to be on my own, so it was absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it was crazy because you you don't you can't see anyone, you don't and obviously the last bit of pregnancy I found really hard because mm. you know, I couldn't see my mum and dad, I couldn't share those those last moments with them. Do you know a friend, you I remember with Bertie, I'd just constantly be meet, meeting up for breakfast, lunch, mm. just sharing those moments with people, and especially when you have that little baby there, Yeah. and people can't really come around. It's crazy, but I did also think I needed that time to just rest and just, just yeah. you know, have that adjustment, you know, from, from one to two children, and just, just take a moment to breathe and, like, mm-hmm. enjoy it a little bit, take it all in. Yeah. Um, and how was it preparing for, you know, your second child with a child at home with autism? Is that worrying, thinking how that was going to go down? Yeah, I think, God, on my day five, when you do get a bit of baby blues, I couldn't stop crying because I remember thinking, God, Ronnie just is going to keep Bertie up. I just had this moment where I just thought, but it's not going to be able to handle all this, mm. you know, this stress of having a new baby, but it's actually been fine. Um, he is slightly jealous, but I'm actually quite relieved that he's jealous because mm. I thought he'd 
be oblivious to the fact that there was a new baby there, if that makes yeah. sense. I thought his understanding was so limited that it was like bringing a little puppy home that you probably thought would just eventually go back. Um, yeah. So I'm feel a bit guilty saying that I'm a bit relieved that he has that sense of emotion, but he has that understanding that there is a new baby here and mummy's cradling mm-hmm. this baby all the time. Um, but yeah, when I was, uh, before I'd given birth, I, I had a lot of worries about that. And I do think it, it's hard because you don't know how much Bertie understands. You don't know how much an ASD child is understanding mm-hmm. about a new child coming into the world, especially because people used to always ask me, oh, you know, how does Bertie feel about having a little brother? And I'm like, God, he he literally doesn't understand anything about it. But I think he does now he's here, which mm-hmm. is reassuring. Yeah, that's great. And I think as well, like, jealousy is, a, is an emotion that we can all understand and relate to. So yeah. it's kind of like you can understand what he's going through because we've all been jealous of things. Exactly. Um, so it's something that you can... Almost I know, I know how to deal with it, yeah. But yeah. I, do, I do keep thinking, God, is he just never gonna... Is he never gonna love him? But he will, he'll get there. Yeah, I bet. And he's such a loving child as well, and like so happy and stuff. I think that they're gonna get on yeah. great. Yeah, I just keep getting these sideway glances like across the room, and honestly, it's like the devil <laughs> when I'm holding him. <laughs> but he will, oh. he'll be fine. And I think it is. I've spoken to so many other mums about it. I just think, you know children toddlers not on the spectrum it's exactly the same thing yeah but but we have that mum guilt i have that mum guilt when i'm holding ronnie and thinking god bertie's watching and then i have that mum guilt when i'm with bertie and i'm mm. not cradling ronnie i just think you can't do wrong for doing right hum yeah that sounds like being a mum that's what it's gonna be yeah. like <laughs> you've got all these amazing things to look forward to honey yeah <laughs> I'm just, I can't, I'm only just coming to terms with the fact that I'm going to have a baby, so all the other stuff's just going to have to happen, like, around me. I know. <laughs> and I do remember, with one, like, I said to my, I said to Gabs the other day, I said, ah, oh, you know, when you've got two, you think, oh my God, how bliss was it just with one, like, you could just nap when they napped, and then we said, but what the hell were we doing before, like, before yeah. one, you just have all the free time in the world. Yeah. Well, Leon's sleeping a lot now. He doesn't get up and talk to lunch every day and he's like, I'm getting my rest in. Yeah. <laughs> but I am like, I'm so worried. I'm like, oh my God, you sleep for like 16 hours at a time. Like, oh what are you going to be like when I need to wake up? But you know up? what I did? I, I did and I'm the mum. Yeah. Um, but I think you just snap into kind of father, mother and fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. Um be great. So what was it like in the, the diagnosis for Bertie? Um, was it quite a long process? Was it something that you pursued or was it a doctor said to you? How did how did the diagnosis happen? Yeah, so um, Bertie, so he was about 19 months, but just I'd say a couple of months before that, I started noticing um, some signs. He wouldn't respond to his name. Um, he flapped quite a bit, but I just put that down to it. Some kids do flap when they're excited, especially that young. What's that? Is that... Um, so flapping, just with your, literally as it sounds, like with your arms, like flapping right. with excitement. You know, some kids will jump up and down, they'll flap their arms, but obviously mm-hmm. as Bertie's gotten older, that, that just hasn't disappeared. But in the autism world, it's, it's classed as stimming. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, he has poor proprioception and... 
the easiest way to kind of it's a sensory processing disorder but the easiest way to explain it is like he can't feel where his limbs start and his limbs end so mm. when he flaps it just gives him that that regulation that we all need mm-hmm. um, and it just basically yeah it just regulates his body and sends the signals from the brain to the body that it should do but he he has to mm-hmm. do that to feel you know to feel where he is so to mm-hmm. feel like spatial awareness if does that make sense? Yeah, um, so it's like a reassuring thing. Yeah, kind of. it is. and But he does do it a lot when he's excited, but uh, paediatricians have kind of said, like, it might be an anxiety thing as well. And when I think he's excited, he might actually be anxious, but he's just... Mm-hmm. He's just doing it in a different, in a different way. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. so he started doing that, and that was one of the biggest signs. And obviously the speech delay, he does have a... Sp- severe speech delay so he was saying words but he seemed to regress so he was saying mama he was saying up he was saying down he was saying dada like everything he probably should have been saying around that time but then it all regressed and he just kind of stopped speaking stopped babbling Mm -hmm. so I took him at 19 months and she just didn't seem to think the doctor she was lovely but she didn't seem to think there was an issue um she just said it's quite normal for boys to be delayed mm-hmm. which I think they do try and reassure you, reassure you at first so I did feel reassured but um mm-hmm. then she said that she would refer me to a community community pediatrician which took a year so oh this gosh. is what I'd love people to know that if they do think that there's any any sort there's no harm taking your child to the to the GP and just you know getting a, a referral just to make sure your child's okay there's just there's it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, and it can be um, quite a long process. So as soon as you start seeing... The process has been the longest thing, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, the the diagnosis, it's taken a year and a half for him to get an official diagnosis. And I think you do need that diagnosis to, to get the help that you need. But I think the help is out there. You do need to just find it. But there's so many little charities and things that I think people aren't aware mm-hmm. are there to help you. Yeah. Um, but early intervention for, for autism is just, it's the best thing. They say that just spending 15 minutes with your child, if they're under under two, can just change their lives, like, dramatically. Yeah. Is that so that they can start doing, like, language development and things like that a bit earlier? Yeah, yeah. And I do just think it's, like, little activities that, you know, we probably do every day that will just help them regain their attention and just... Like, with their speech, they said, stop trying to... I remember my speech therapist said, I know you really want him to say words, but the, like, most important thing is that we get his attention and we can regain his attention for a short while for him then to be able to speak. The words Mm -hmm. will come after you've been able to do that. So there was just so Mm -hmm. many little activities that I could do with him to do that, and then the speech did start coming. Yeah. But I think people think, like, it's just so important to be pointing at flashcards and saying cow and saying dog and saying cat and mm-hmm. you know just because they're autistic doesn't mean that they're all the same I think they learn in lots of different ways and mm-hmm. you've got to find what they're interested in and then the speech will come hopefully yeah yeah, yeah I think probably there'll be people that will rush to be like we've got to get him saying this um, yeah when there's other things that you can do first and that stuff will and come. I was definitely guilty of that like I just thought I was so obsessed with with just him speaking because obviously you want them to have a normal life and you you want them to have a job you want them to meet mm-hmm. your friends you want them to meet someone and get married you want you want them to live a normal life mm-hmm. um, and obviously not being able to speak does limit things in life and 
you know and I've I've come to terms and now even if he does just say a few words you know I think the world has come quite far and equality is such a thing and, and you know people are a lot more accepting and mm-hmm. you know whatever he will end up doing but as long as I know I tried my best if that makes sense yeah and what was it like getting the the diagnosis was it like how did it feel because I imagine there'll be lots of like parents that will listen and they might be just coming up to a diagnosis or wondering how to process it like yeah how how did it feel for you so this was another strange thing because obviously I got the diagnosis when we're you know during the pandemic um mm-hmm. so he actually had to do it over the phone which seems impossible to do but mm-hmm. he could do it because we were on the phone for two and a half hours and I just told him absolutely every detail about Bertie um mm-hmm. he still needs to do a physical examination but he he was really good and he said you know the hardest thing with a diagnosis with a child even if I see them in person is that the, the parents can tell you things um you know, they, they can be in denial a lot of the time and they won't be honest and they'll say, you know, my child does that. Yeah, no, 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 he's done that. He met every target. Yeah, he met that milestone. Mm. And he says, because I think it's just so important for a parent to be brutally honest about what they're doing and mm-hmm. um, the delays that they have in their development. Um, so he said, I was able to give you a formal diagnosis and it was the most emotional thing, even though I'd known for months, I'd known for that year that he was autistic. He just he said you know let me just give you a minute to process this like you know he he said that I'm going to give Bertie the formal diagnosis he is on the autism spectrum disorder and I'll just give you a minute to take that in and honestly that minute I couldn't stop sobbing because it is just someone telling you and it is life-changing and you know Mm -hmm. it's something that he's going to have for the rest of his life and I think you always have that small bit of hope that he he isn't and and it is just one big mistake if that Mm. makes sense yeah um did it but, feel like things were going to get a little bit harder or a little bit easier or was it just completely yeah, unknown? I think I was just, like, I remember I had him in the morning, that phone call, and I think for the rest of the day I just, I really couldn't stop crying because I just thought, oh. but then the next day I just felt so refreshed and I was like, right, this is it now. We've known this for a year and a half. we just got to move forward. And I started getting phone calls. I do think a diagnosis completely changes everything i started getting phone calls from speech therapists mm. i started getting phone calls from occupational therapists um so yeah so then the help is immediately there but we did have help before as well mm-hmm. um there's a fantastic charity called portage which i think people don't always know about but they're just unbelievable they they help bring Bertie on mm-hmm. so much what's next for you guys for Bertie um so I know that you've recently made your Instagram page following Bertie's journey it's really cute oh yeah tell us about that so I really just wanted <laughs> to do that blog for him just because I think when I got the diagnosis as well I think we as a family we just thought like we kind of wanted to see pages I, I looked for hours trying to find Instagram accounts with you know parents with children with autism that were just kind of living a normal life and carrying on and and it's not the end of the world and I needed some encouragement some reassurance but I think a lot of the blogs I found were quite depressing and and they weren't that encouraging and I thought Mm. oh my god they're just a bit it was a bit brutal um but then there were a couple I found that were really inspiring and really what I wanted to do was just create a blog where it was like you know you can live your life as normal Mm -hmm. having an autistic child is, is really not the end of the world there's so much you can do 
And mm. I just wanted to pop some resources up on there that people can, you know, use that I found really helpful that really worked for Bertie. Um, mm. And what I'd have done to have found a page that, like, you know... And I did find a few pages that have really helped me along the way, but some of them are just a little bit too depressing. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to inject a bit of, you know, it's, you know, we still live a normal life. Um, yeah. It's a really um, positive um, outlook. So the page is called Bertie's Bubble. Um, Bertie with a Y. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's it's positive, but also authentic, isn't it? So it's, um, you're not just kind of looking for like the negative sides of having a child with autism. It's, you know, yeah. it's all the good stuff as well that yeah. maybe don't get enough attention. Exactly. Perfect. I know. Um, so how is everything going in lockdown? What's going to be next? Are you, you've got quite a little while off work now, haven't you? But are you concerned about kids going back or are you quite... Yeah, so I think, oh God, the struggle will be real. Um, obviously with two under, well, under three. Mm-hmm. But um, got mum and dad close and everything and it will be fine. But yeah, kids yeah. being off has been amazing. Like the help's been unreal. Um, I'd have it like that forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know... You can't, and I do think we need to get back to normality eventually. Because yeah. you just get you just get stuck in this world. It's like one big holiday. I feel guilty saying that. God, we're in a pandemic. It's awful what's going on in the world. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, selfishly, it's been really helpful for us. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to getting back and just getting stuck in and mm-hmm. being a mum. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> And did you have a little think about your oh fuck moment from, it can either be from the pandemic or um, from having babies, any oh fuck moments that have stuck out for you? Yeah, I had a few with Bertie to be fair. Um, we were toilet training him, um, so he is toilet trained now, but he, well he is, but he, he could, because he can't communicate when he needs to go, he just pulls his trousers down. Oh, um that. So we've had a few oh fuck moments where people have just like not understood what the hell he's doing because he looks older than he is as well. Yeah. Um, but he'll just you know and and you know there has been times where he has still been learning about the toilet. But I remember once and everyone had all their masks on and we were he he has no idea about social distancing either. Of course. Um, but we were in the middle of Tesco and he did take his trousers down just to do a massive poo <laughs> in the middle of the shop so yeah that was a, that was pretty oh and I guess that was as well, pretty oh fuck but <laughs> it was hilarious I guess as well like you kind of wanting to encourage him to be doing these things because you're trying to toilet train so you don't want to you know tell him off and tell him that it's wrong yeah I just think everyone okay. was so bloody paranoid about covid and then you know there's my toddler just taking a dump <laughs> in the middle of Tesco, but they did all have masks on. To be fair, <laughs> it was fine. Oh bless you! Oh brilliant! I love him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, this is like he at a time as well when people don't even want to make eye contact with you because it's just too much. Yeah, everyone's so nervous. And I just think that everyone just has this thought of like, oh, COVID. It's just also like disgusting and like just you know everyone's like body bodies being like you know even two meters is too close, but. Bertie was just, you know, for him to just take a shit in the middle of Tesco's was obviously <laughs> just a bit much for everyone to handle. Well, to be fair, like, my uh, fuck moments at the moment are finding it very difficult to 
not go to the toilet everywhere. Haven't shat myself yet, but oh god, I know. I'm pissing all the time. I don't know They're what's all going shy, on. Aren't they? Yeah, I I don't know what's going on. I'm just, I, but it's like I I cough, I laugh, I sneeze, everything, and then I just piss. Yeah. Oh, Hannah, I feel you need to do those pelvic floor exercises. I feel like I'm doing them. Maybe I'm thinking about doing them and and that's not actually doing them. <laughs> yeah, no, you probably are. It's just... But I'm worried if it's like pressure. that now. I'm like, if it's like that now, then what is it going to be like after I've had baby? Oh, my God, I do remember. So two days before I went into... <laughs> I don't know if I told you this. Two days before I went into labour with Ronnie, I was being sick. I think it was just being sick because it was just the start of labour. Sometimes you can get sick and... Mm-hmm. I was like, my waters are broken. My waters are broken. I had to go to hospital. I had to check. Oh, yeah, I, I remember. just pissed myself. Oh. <laughs> but, get me you know, to A&E. So, get me to A&E. And they were just, yeah. They were like, your waters haven't broke. You know, and you're in these tiny little cubicles and there's women either side of you. And they must have thought, fucking hell. She just pissed herself, bless her. But You've been quite unlucky though. I feel like you've been in hospital more than any other person I know. Like, yeah. you know, you've you've had a, a tough go of it with hospital visits, so I don't blame yeah. you. I'd probably be a no. bit wary if I was you as well. Yeah, but I'm here to tell the tale. You are, you are. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add, like any advice or anything that you wanted um, to say? I just think... Just be careful. Obviously, being pregnant at a time like this is is really lonely. Just try and surround yourself with keeping in touch with people. Um, yeah, just just stay healthy, stay safe. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but also just enjoy it as much as you can because uh, you're only pregnant once. Well, I mean, you know, it's quite a lot. You don't have to only be pregnant once, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Just enjoy it as much as you can. Yeah, but also it's not all hunky dory. There are ups and downs, and you know, being pregnant isn't easy alone. But being pregnant in a pandemic is daunting, mm. but it mm. will be fine. Yeah, the baby has to come out eventually, <laughs> and life is life is returning back to normal scarily. But you know, it will be over soon. Yeah, hopefully we're getting to the end of it now. I'm trying not to read all the negative news. I need to turn off these fucking notifications that I get in the morning. You know, the ones that you get first thing that are like, the latest terrible news. Oh, it's, yeah, so depressing. I can't do it. When I was, yeah, I committed to not watching, only watching the updates of Boris. I was like, I'm not getting mm. depressed by... Also, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It has been such a scary time. It has. Um, well, thanks, love. You're welcome, honey. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thanks for listening to Oh Fuck the Podcast. That was Polly Park. Follow Bertie's Bubble on Instagram to see a bit more about their experience with autism during the pandemic and beyond. And you can also find Polly's recommendations for reading and whatnot in the description. If you'd like to get in touch with your Oh Fuck moments, please email ohfuckpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read them out anonymously on a future episode. Thanks for listening and please share and review if you're enjoying the series. Oh fuck.